0: <laughs> well, everybody, good evening, good evening, I'm glad you're here tonight, I'm glad I'm here tonight, and uh, you ready to get into things, yeah. get into some stuff, tonight's going to be fun. I'm going to talk about sandwiches, anyone, anyone like sandwiches? I'm going to talk about emotions, uh, <laughs> oh man, Callie feels things, yeah, she does. So don't we all, we all feel things. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff tonight. Um, Our passage this evening, uh, really just an anchor upon which that we're going to climb out of, is a, uh, that doesn't really work, those wording, but you pick up what I'm putting down, I think. Okay, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 20, verse 12. It's two lines, it's real simple. Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Profound, profound. It is actually. It's really profound. It's one of those things about the Proverbs that's so wonderful is that they're so simple, yet there's so much to be seen and understood. Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. I think uh, maybe at some point in your life, you've probably had a mom or somebody uh, give you the thing like, hey, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Do the math, you know, and you understand like, oh, I'm supposed to listen more than I talk, you know, like you kind of get that. And I think there's certainly an element to that here, but I love that it draws out another thing. It's not just that we have two ears, but we also have two eyes. Ears to hear and eyes to see, and God has given them to us on purpose. Ears to hear and eyes to see, and God has given them to us on purpose. Two eyes, two ears, one mouth. God did that on purpose, and and I think that's instructive, and and it positions us to understand as we come into our topic tonight of listening. The art of listening. Before we do so, I'd love to pray. So, if you wouldn't mind, let's let's uh, go before the Lord. Father God, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are here, and that tonight we get to open your Word and we get to see what you have in mind to show to us, to reveal to us about yourself and about the realities of this life. Or thank you that your Spirit is present, and like your Word, like the Scriptures. It, Make your spirit alive and active within us. Present yourself to us tonight that we may see you and know you more clearly. Lord, thank you that you've been with us throughout this whole day. Lord, that you were with us when we had lunch. You were with us when I got gas. (laughs) Lord, thank you that you're with us right here now as we sit and we come before you ready to hear what you have to say. You are present to us, Lord. You are available to us. And we don't want to miss out on you. Not for a moment. Not for a moment. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. The Lord is here. He's with us. He's always with us. He's re- ready and waiting to listen to us. To hear from us. And he invites us to know him. He invites us to listen to him as well. Like, what a crazy thing. The creator of the universe, the savior of your soul, he made a way for you to be with him. He did it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He went to great lengths so that he could be with us. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on being with him. Don't miss out on the fact that he is here and he is present. And man, don't waste a day without recognizing the reality of his presence right here. Right, I'm My hope for all of us uh, is that we would truly admire and embrace the pursuit of a life well-lived. And that ultimately is a life with God. That's the heart of everything we do around here, is hoping and praying and longing to really just do anything in our power to draw attention to the Lord. And I don't just mean me because I'm on staff. I mean like this community, who we are, what God has commissioned us to do and be all about, is to bring attention to the Lord Bring people's eyes and ears, their whole consciousness, to the reality that God is here, He is available, and He is ready to be with you. So just say yes. <laughs> it's that simple. We just need to, like, acknowledge that He's there and turn to Him, and He's like, Hey, what up, my son, my daughter? I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. It's so good. As we've gone into this series, The Art of Living, The Art of Living, um, it ultimately really centers around this very idea that we get to be with God. And that's something that, that we can like apply formulas to, right? Like a life well lived, a life with God. It's, there's formulas that are applicable, that are nested within the reality of that. But it's more than an applied formula. It's an artistic endeavor. Just like, walk with me here, with me? A sandwich. <laughs> Just like a sandwich. So I want to show you. This is the formula for a sandwich. You'll recognize it. It's pretty simple. You got uh, bread, and between each of uh, two pieces of bread, and between them, you have something that is not bread. Sandwich, right? Like, I think we get it. That's the formula for a sandwich. It's pretty straightforward. Bread, bread, not bread equals sandwich, when I was a kid, PB and J—that was my jam. Oh, that's a pun. I that wasn't on purpose. Legit, I didn't. That was on purpose. <laughs> really though, I—who's with me? Uh, one one serving of peanut butter, two servings of jelly. That's how you make. You know, I want it messy and sticky. That's, that's where it's at. It's good. So as a when I was a kid, like peanut butter and jelly sandwich—that's a sandwich. That's like what defined a sandwich for me. That's all I wanted. And and if somebody said, "Hey, would you like a sandwich?" That's what came to mind, and that's the only thing that came to mind. PB and J, two jellies, you know. And maybe if I was lucky, mom would cut the crust off, right? I think Julian still asks his mom, "Hey, mom, if you're up, if you're up to it, you know, I'm good without the crust. I'm good without." The- Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, no crust. Yeah, it's still good without the crust. Okay. So, peanut butter and jelly. It fits this formula, right? Bread, bread, something not bread in the middle. But so do all the rest of these. If you'll throw up the other photos, <laughs> I love that. I sent so like the graphic, the guy who does the graphics, Anthony, who's amazing, amazing guy. I just sent him a bunch of pictures of sandwiches I thought looked good, and then and I was thinking just like put them up, but he put them like in the art gallery thing, and I'm like, this is a gallery I want to go to. <laughs> But it needs to be like immersive, you know, experiential in every way. Like there's just little, you know, oh, oh, I'll go to the next. So good. I think we all recognize every single one of these fits the same formula of sandwich. Bread, bread, something in the middle that's not bread. They all fit that formula, and yet they're all entirely different. They all have their own unique take on that formula and what it looks like, and yet they all still fully qualify as sandwich. Fully qualify. As a kid, I I appreciated you know peanut butter and jelly, but I certainly did not like you know balsamic. Are you kidding me on a sandwich? Tomatoes? No thanks. But now I'm like, dang, that looks good. That fresh mozzarella—that's what I'm talking about. Grill that brioche. Mm, So good. See, I've matured. I guess time has gone on my appreciation for the artistry of these more complex sandwiches. Has really grown. It has developed. I've discovered all there is to see. Well, maybe not quite all, but I'll get there one day. Of sandwiches, they're all good. They're all qualified sandwiches, but they're all different. As I've grown, my taste buds have matured. I, I'll call it that. Matured, yeah. And my desires, my tastes have shifted as well. And the art of a life well lived. The truth of what a life with God consists of in each and every moment or circumstance is a lot like sandwich making. It's a lot like sandwich making. It's something we grow in. It's something we discover. Like the truth of what a life well lived, a life with God looks like, is a process of discovery. And and the, the more we discover of what that truly is and looks like, the greater and greater the horizon becomes. The possibilities, the, the things that could be don't get narrower, they get wider, they get broader. The vastness of the creative space that exists within the confines of truth actually expands. See, we don't make the truth, we discover it alongside the creator of it, alongside God himself. There's room for creativity, and not just room for it, but actually like every sandwich is a unique creative expression of the sandwich, right? And so likewise, every life, every moment can be a creative expression of a life well-lived, a life with God. And it is a unique, unlike any other moment, opportunity to have the life of a a well-lived, a life with God expressed right then and there in that moment. Every one of you, in every moment you've lived, like pump and gas, grocery store, a moment ago when we were worshiping, all of those can be creative expressions of a life lived with God. As we come into this series, The Art of Living, um, it started off, Connor Johnson came up and, and he uh, spoke about the art of being, the art of just being me, the art of just being present And then last week Brian Howard spoke on the art of confessing, of truly exposing ourselves and entrusting ourselves to another. And as we prepared together as a team for these sermons, we defined the word art in this way, which by the way, I'm just gonna I'm gonna foreshadow for all of you. I'll foreshadow two things for you. One, next week, we're talking about the art of aging, which is profoundly important, and not just for like when we become when we turn forty. But like, you're all aging. What are you doing with it? Are you doing? Are you making the most of it? Anyway, we will come back to that. And then the week after that, we're going to spend a time, a worship night, just coming together to praise the Lord and to have space to, to sit under His Word and to declare the glory, the praise of who He is, the truths of who He is and what He says about us. It's going to be awesome. So be ready for that in two weeks. Worship night here, Thursday night, same time, same place. It's going to be great. Anyway... Where was I? I'll find it. Art. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, this is the definition of art that we worked off of, that we uh, thought about as we prepared for these things, and it's this the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination producing works to be appreciated, primarily for their beauty and emotional power. I'll read it again. The expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. That produces works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty and emotional power. I believe that God intends for your life to reflect this. That your life, that our lives would be an expression, an application of your divinely given creative skill and imagination. Producing a life that is primarily appreciated for its beauty, for its glory unto the Lord. And its emotional power, its effectiveness to touch the hearts of others. Like to exercise our divinely given creative skill and imagination. To to live a life with God that is so distinguished by the glory of God that it radiates to others and changes them. It impacts them. Artful listening, our topic tonight, is an essential element in living a life like this. It's essential. So, as with all art, as with all art, listening is something to be mastered. I think of like Michelangelo, these greats, you know, the masters, the ones who seem to have perfected these skills. And you know what? Ultimately, they died, and I bet there's something. I bet there's many things that they still sought to master. That they hadn't wet, hadn't yet gotten their full grip around to be able to, I know how to do that. I have mastered this art. They might might have mastered mastered components, little things, but they're constantly uh, needing to work on it because mastery of an art is elusive even for the greatest of us. In our humanity, we will pursue the mastery of a life well lived till the day we die. And it's not so much a destination that it is a process. The master. The true master is the one who can take whatever tools, whatever circumstances are presented to them, and make something magnificent from it every time. You know, for a chef, right? Open the fridge. And you're like, well, I should have gone grocery shopping. But they're like, I got two slices of bread and all this stuff. And a true master chef can make something delicious out of whatever's in there. You know? They've got the skills. They know how to make it happen. Because they've mastered all of the aspects of the culinary art of sandwich making. They've nailed it. For the art of listening, as it is for the art of living, we look to the one who has mastered it. We study the greats. We study the greatest. The only one who is perfect. For Jesus, the master of this art of listening, we can enter. he can enter any circumstance, And whenever, whatever the tensions were, whatever the dynamics, uh, however he was feeling, I give you was tired, maybe a little grumpy, didn't matter. If He was hungry. He came into that, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation. And in the midst of all of it, he could do beautiful things with it. He's the master of the art of seeking and knowing and understanding others. And as we say around here, we want to, to live in love like Jesus. We want to be like him. And so we study him. We learn from the master. We grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. We grow in our love for others and our ability to creatively express that love, whatever the situation, whatever the moment. It's a love that God has already and continually expressed and exampled for us and to us. We look to the one who has mastered it. We look to God himself and his son, Jesus Christ. My friends, God listens. He listens. He is curious about you. And he seeks to understand you. God listens to us. He is curious about us. And he seeks to understand us. I think many of us need to truly believe and grasp the truth that is here. He listens. He desires to know you. He seeks you out. We see this in Genesis 21 and the boy Ishmael crying with his mother in the wilderness. And God sends an angel to comfort the woman, <laughs> to comfort that mother. And the angel says, God has heard the boys cry. Don't be afraid. We see it in 1 Samuel 1 and the Lord listens to the cry of Hannah, a broken hearted wife. We see it in the reality that is expressed in Hebrews 4, that Jesus sits now at the right hand of the throne of God, listening to us and interceding for us before the Father. We see it in Revelation 5 and 8, that our prayers are like incense before God. It pleases Him when we come to Him. It's like a beautiful aroma for Him to hear from us. And of course, there's the Gospels themselves and all the accounts of Jesus, where He clearly demonstrates God's compassionate, listening heart. During his earthly ministry, he attracted multitudes, not merely by what he said, but equally by his willingness to listen. And after hearing the full message, he would respond with the appropriate word or touch. Like Jesus expressed the full meaning of listening because he could hear the full message. He could always respond appropriately. He could always respond appropriately frequently I think many of us meet people who don't listen and thus incorrectly respond or don't respond at all. I know that's me more often than I desire to be true, where I just assess things wrong and I, and I, I just respond in a way that's not really appropriate or I should have responded, but I didn't. And ultimately it really just comes down to I wasn't listening. I really, I just wasn't listening. Not so with Jesus. His response is always appropriate because the master that he is, he catches every detail, every emotion, every nuance worth considering. I love what David writes. He opens Psalm 116 with these two verses. It says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Like, he hears me, he sees me, and with that, I'm forever his. In him, I found all that I need. God can hear you, and he wants to hear from you. Like, that is so special. That is so special. That's magnificent. That's mind-boggling. And to prove it, I'll give you three reasons All right. Three reasons why that's special, that God wants to hear from you, that God listens. He's a listening God. Number one, listening brings God joy. Number two, listening fills my need. And number three, listening is a way to show God's love to others. Our loving God finds joy in listening to his creation, especially the jewel of his creation. You and I. God became vitally involved in our lives, actively communicating with us. And even investing himself in us to the point of suffering and death. As the scriptures say, he did this for the joy set before him. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. And you and I are that joy. We are that joy. To be reunited with him, that is his passion. For us to be reunited with him, that is his passion. And so when that happens, his heart leaps. His heart leaps. Listening brings God joy. Second, listening fills my need. The fact that my God listens tells me that he recognizes my basic need for attention. And all of us cry out to be listened to. We're all born to be seen and to be known. God knew we would have this need. He created us with it. And it is his desire to see that we have this need fulfilled. That all people would have this need fulfilled filled. It appears to be like basic to our nature. We're not created for isolation. We're not. I recognize that for some of you, you have adapted to a life when no one was listening. So you live as though no one cares. And my hope is that we, the church, would would change that narrative in your life, that we would represent God well enough to to change that, that you would know you are loved, that you would know you are cared for, that you would know that there's someone to listen to you. And we as a church get an opportunity to play that role, to pl- take part in that. God, God loves you. And He cares for you. And He wants to listen to you. He knows you have that need. Finally, listening is a way to show God's love to others. God gives dignity to the act of listening. He makes it of special significance, an important ministry in and of itself. See, in our relationships with both Christians and with non-Christians, we have the happy privilege, the happy privilege of exemplifying this incredible, exciting aspect of God's nature. And what is it? It's that he cares enough to listen. We get to show that to others. He listens to us. He listens to you, but it doesn't end there. He invites us to listen to him, to know him. In Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus is talking to a crowd, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He invites us to seek to understand him, to know him, and to be curious about him. He invites curiosity. He invites us to knock on his door and hear what he has to say. He invites us to know him. And all of this, all of it is for our good. It's for our thriving. Like the story of Mary and Martha. I don't know if you know that story. But Martha, she's toiling away, stressed and worried about appeasing others, about appearances and keeping them up and She confronts Jesus about her sister, Mary, who's not helping her, who's not helping her with all those things that she thinks she needs to fulfill. And Jesus responds to her. He says, Martha, Martha. I just, I I, I gotta imagine he was so gentle and so kind. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. He listens to us. He invites us into a life of thriving and abundant joys. We listen to him like Mary, who sat at his feet, taking in every word, every expression, every feeling conveyed by Jesus. She just wanted to know more of him, and he was happy to show her. He was happy to show her. This brings me to my next point, and that's that listening is love. In its most basic sense, listening is love. Dr. Norm Wakefield, who wrote a book called Between the Words, which is an awesome book, I, it's been an impactful book for me, for my wife, and I, I highly recommend it. I don't think it's in print, but you can find it on like, you know, like used book sites and stuff. He writes this, we all value people who love us enough to listen to us. The wise and discerning listener endears himself to our heart, fostering a strong relational bond. Listening is love, my friends. But recognize here the type of listening we're talking about the wise and discerning listener. The wise and discerning listener. Wisdom and discernment is key to all of this, a key component because listening is so much more than hearing. In 1 Kings, we read the story of King Solomon. He's just become king of Israel. Uh, He's a young guy and he seeks the Lord. He asks the Lord for one thing. One thing only to lead God's people. And the scriptures record it this way and it's translated in the NIV like this. Lord, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Most translations use the word understanding or discerning. An understanding heart or a discerning heart and the Hebrew word here can mean that. It does mean that, discerning and understanding. But that word is actually a derivative of its root, which in the Hebrew literally means listening. So you could translate it as some translations do like this, Lord, give your servant a listening heart to provide wise and effective leadership. See, listening, understanding, discerning, as far as the Hebrew concerned, is concerned, are synonyms. They're synonyms. Like the wisdom that King Solomon was given by God is actually a communal wisdom. It was actually a communal wisdom. God granted him the ability to listen with discernment and understanding. And Solomon knew that to govern well and justly, he would need to be a master listener. And this would be the stem upon which all of his wisdom would blossom and grow. As we've been talking about listening, as we continue to, uh, I'm not just referring to hearing the words people are saying. I think you get that. I think you get it. It goes so much, so much further beyond that. And and this is where it gets into the realm of art. As we come into the discernment and the understanding piece, the artistic nature of listening expands a thousandfold. I like how Dr. Wakefield has tied, tied it all up, categorized it, kind of given uh, a model to the dynamics of a loving listener. This might not be from him, but it's really good. And he kind of breaks it down like this. It's kind of like a ladder or a staircase with which you, you walk down into deeper and deeper understanding. And the first level is words. It's words. And this is simple, right? We use words to communicate. And, and at the core to, to listen at this level is to just simply understand the words someone is saying. Like, at play are like enunciation. It's, it's uh, accents, maybe something like that. But also, in a significant way, it's definitions. Definitions are, are a key component here. Uh, just this week, I think it was like two days ago, Sarah walked in the office. And uh, we share an office. And she walked in. And she's like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, Fine. Then Sarah proceeded to inquire as though something were wrong in my life and ask questions as though something were wrong. We talked about it. We had a good laugh. <laughs> but what came out is that the, the, in her circle of girls, <laughs> no matter the tone, if someone says fine, <laughs> what they're actually saying is this. What they're actually saying is this. Fine means not great, so it must be bad. (laughs) Now, of course, my definition in that moment was this. Fine meant not bad and not great, so I'm fine. (laughs) So we had to talk about it. (laughs) We had to get clear. We had to get to a place to where we were truly understanding one another. And this is actually the most basic level of listening is understanding the words that people are using. What are the definitions they're using? This is the most basic level, but it can get a little tricky at times. (laughs) The next level is nonverbal communication, and here we have facial expressions, body posture, tone, speed, volume, and I don't think any of this is new to you. I don't think any of, maybe you haven't thought hard about it, but you're certainly aware of it. Like if if somebody, if somebody walks up, if somebody walked up to me and was like, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, OK, I'm doing all right. That means one thing, and, and you're picking up on it. But if somebody comes to me and they were to say, hey, how you doing? And I was like, OK, I'm doing all right. That means something totally different. And I think you get that, right? Anybody, anybody confused, you can raise your hand. It's OK, it's not embarrassing. OK. Oh, OK. <laughs> the tone, the facial expression. Uh, the way we say things, you can use the same exact words, but it communicates something different. And we, we generally pick up on this. I think we generally get this. And it bleeds into the third level of listening, and that is meanings. And these are the w- where the words and the nonverbal conver- converge to produce a, a meaning of what the speaker is saying. Again, that example of the, okay, I'm all right, or okay, I'm all right, like, like. There's a meaning there behind that, and it's in the convergence of those two that we can grasp what the nonverbal and the words are communicating. And this brings us to level four, and that is emotions. To recognize and understand the emotions the speaker may be feeling. And I'll come back to this. We'll talk more about this in a moment. But after emotions, after we can recognize and understand the emotions the, perp- the person is feeling, that gets us to number five, and that is the meaning behind the meaning. Level five, we put it all together and help discern with them the meaning behind their emotions. Because what we feel doesn't always align with what we say. Often there's something to be seen, something to be known, something heard beyond the emotion itself that we ourselves may not even recognize when we're talking. But the discerning listener will see those things that even the speaker doesn't notice. And they'll help bring it to your attention. How these levels are not at play in every communication. Not at every in every communication, not every communication offers an opportunity to have like level five, like, hmm, you're feeling mad, aren't you? And they're like, no. And <laughs> then you're like, oh, okay. Not not every communication has that. Some provide an opportunity that you can get down to that level. Other are just like level one, and that's as far as it goes. You know, like somebody sends a text and it's like, are we meeting for lunch at one? I don't think there's a lot of room to go like exploring. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Now, I say this on purpose because how many of you do that? Anyone? What about that girl you like that you texted? That boy you like that you texted? And this is a side note. But I'll just say, I think many of you would be served well by making a phone call getting a a little more input, a little more information there to understand the communication that's happening. And maybe even to touch a little deeper, I think many of you might be a little less lonely if you knew that people were actually hearing and seeing and experiencing more of you, more than just a text. So, side note, we'll come back to that on another day. In those situations where the conversation does allow us to move deeper, to move down that staircase, what is happening is we're actually grasping more and more of the communication. As I mentioned already in level five, I may be hearing communication that the speaker isn't aware of or is not even intending to communicate. Like like the person may be so emotionally involved that they are incapable in that moment to recognize all that they are communicating. But because I am fully attuned to them, I am picking lots of data that I can feed back to them. And thus, they will become more aware of their own thoughts and feelings. Like an artful listener will leave the other person better off. Will bless them with their listening. Now to calm some fears here, some of you might be looking at this and you're thinking, I'm supposed to become a body language expert? I've already watched them like cops interrogating on YouTube, and they talk about, like, he winked, and now I know that he means he's lying. And, like, they just keep, you don't need to spend hours becoming a body language expert. You don't. You don't need to get a master's degree in counseling. Not hardly. Because far more powerful and formative to you and to the one you are listening to is your love. It's just simply your love. Do you love them? Do you love God? Do you you put yourself in the place where you are around the master to see and follow his example? It'll transform you more powerfully than any textbook can equip you. To love the one to whom you are listening, to be curious about them, to honor them above yourself will position you for growth in the art of listening unlike anything else. Unlike anything else. I think Philippians chapter 2 really exemplifies uh, the core of what's needed, the heart position that's needed to truly be an artful listener. And we're just going to look at verse 3 here, Philippians 2, 3, and it says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Memorize this verse. To embody this verse is an essential step in growing in the art of listening. This will more powerfully impact you as a listener than, I don't know, a bunch of YouTube videos of cops interrogating people and talking about what they see. (laughs) The art of listening hinges on preferring others over ourselves. That's at the core. I'm going to give you three ways, practical, I've kind of broken this down into three categories to kind of give some practicals for us. And the first one is that the art of listening hinges on preferring the other over ourselves mentally. Mentally. Thinking about them, not our next words or questions. Being present with them right here and now, just as our God does for us. Letting what's next worry about itself, but being present. I don't think I'm alone in this. I don't think I'm alone in this, but in my vain conceit, in my selfish ambition, I so often prefer to ponder my next words, to formulate the story I have that relates, or to figure out what advice I want to share for their specific situation. And if you're like me, when when do we most often do this? While they're talking. While they are talking. While they are sharing while they are revealing themselves, my mind is not on me, on them, it's on me. Set aside our own input. We need to set aside uh, our thoughts and, and focus our full attention, our full devotion to navigating the listening ladder, right? To capturing every part of them that we can so that we may know and understand them. Second, the art of listening hinges on preferring the other over ourselves physically. Like, pay attention to their physical demeanor. Be slow with them. Love is patient. Love is patient. Embrace the slowness of perceptive listening. Set aside your thoughts. Set aside your timeline. Be present with their thoughts. Like, settle in, right? Give them eye contact, even if they're not giving it to you. Continue to give them eye contact. Keep the phone in your pocket, people. Or off the table. Set it aside. Like, recognize that a person is more likely to believe your nonverbal message than your verbal one. So saying, I'm listening, it has value, but has significantly less weight than turning your body towards them. Communicate to them that you are listening, that you do care. Like, burn the ships if you have to. You know, like, there's uh, Greek, maybe? The Greek General or whatever, if you know the story. He takes his whole army, they land on the shore, all the soldiers get out, and then he orders all the ships to be burned. So they have no way to get back. There's no retreat. They're in. They're devoted, they're full on. There's no other option. They are in on this. Whatever it takes, do that when you're with somebody. Do whatever it takes so that you can focus on them. Like even if it means just. Even if it means being like hold hold on one moment is it okay if i'm going to sit over here cuz i'm getting really distracted by what's behind you and i want to be able to focus on you well, how wonderful would that be if somebody did that to you 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 gave your whole self to them you're literally i'm i'm willing to move i want to do whatever it takes so that i can focus on you because you are what i want to know i want to i'm curious about you i care about you i love you commit yourself to them Physically give them your attention. And when you notice things about their posture or their tone or whatever it may be, clarify with them about it. Like ask them a question. Uh, When you said that part about your dad, it seemed like your countenance changed. Is there something with that? And one misconception about listening is that it means not talking at all. But it actually requires us to talk in order to clarify that we understand. Remember two eyes, two ears, one mouth. The Lord has made them all. So proportionally use it. Ask clarifying questions when needed. Rephrase back to them what you thought you understood them to be saying. Do it sparingly, but do it when necessary. Like what what I'm hearing you say is this. Is that right? Clarify so that you know your understanding. You know what's the worst thing for listening? Assumptions. Move on from them. (laughs) Even in your texts right? Ask a clarifying question if you need to. The tone in your text, it's words. Is there really that much of a tone? There's whatever tone you're reading into it. So clarify. If you're like, this was an angry text. It's like, well, I mean, well, maybe it could be. I guess the words do matter, you know, but so often we like just get all in this. You can ask clarifying questions, and that actually serves and loves people well. And finally, emotionally. We put others before ourselves emotionally. We seek to understand and recognize their emotions rather than bringing our emotions to the forefront. Philippians 2, in humility, value others above yourselves. I love what Carl Menger says. He writes this. He, this is wonderful. Listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The, friend, the friends who listen to us are the ones we move toward, and we want to sit in their radius. When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. Listening is a powerful tool for helping others. And our conversations, and you know this, are filled with emotions. Even if you deny it, it is. It's happening within you. They're filled with emotions. And some are obvious to the eye and ear, and others kind of leak their way out a little more subtly. And those can only be discerned more by heart and spirit than by mind. And it's our job to listen for these emotions and even draw them out when possible. Because in order to actually empathize with others, there must be clarity about what they are feeling. I'll say that again. In order to empathize with others, there must be clarity about what they are feeling. When we listen for feelings we frequently help others get in touch with their own emotions helping the speaker even ventilate emotions that are causing problems because emotions often they're like a balloon you just keep blowing and it gets bigger and bigger and the pressure and it's oh it's going to burst and that, and that's you <laughs> like it's you i think some of you have been there i was there last week and i went to the lord and man he listened it was wonderful help me All right like taking out feelings, talking out feelings of anger with a compassionate listener often helps us reduce the intensity of it and then frees us, <laughs> frees us to work on constructive solutions with the speaker. Or, or when I express my anxiety or my fear to someone who doesn't laugh at me or immediately preach a sermon, it can enable me to process those emotions in a beneficial manner. Now that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth. That doesn't mean we don't provide counsel. Surely we do. But this is one of the art parts of the whole thing. There's an artistic, creative, imaginative aspect to this. We must navigate each conversation with love. Philippians 2, be patient with them. Two eyes, two ears, one mouth. <laughs> Focus on them, not on your solutions. Because as you do... The solution, the advice that they actually need will become clearer and it may reveal itself to be entirely different than your initial assumptions. The art of listening, it hinges on preferring the other over ourselves. That brings to the final point. Band, you guys can make your way up. And that's this the artful listening flows from security, it flows from security. Listening provides security, but also it flows freely when we are secure. In my being known and heard by God, I'm not as anxious for others to hear me. I'm freer to love others and focus on them because I am loved and seen and known so wonderfully by Him. He listens to us and He has beautiful things to show us if only we would listen to Him. We would come to him like Mary, who sat at his feet, taking in every word, every expression, every feeling conveyed by Jesus. If we are to develop in this art of listening, we must ourselves be shaped and taught by the master of it, by Jesus himself. We bring ourselves to him and invite him to reveal himself to us. We're like little children learning to write. The teacher takes his hand and places it over the child's holding the pencil, and then guides them in the motions of each mark until they know them and can freely exercise the fullness of their expressions and letters and words and eventually sentences and even paragraphs. And this exercise is made possible by the willingness of the pupil to let the teacher guide. Too firm a grip, too rigid a wrist, And progress will be laborious and slow in coming for both participants. Praise the Lord that our God is patient, and He is kind, and He is merciful, and He doesn't give up on trying to help us. So too our God clasps the willing heart, guiding its uncoordinated appeals till at last we are familiar with His ways. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a minute, maybe two, and we're going to do this right here and now. Let's go to the Lord and listen to Him. Be secured by Him so that we can then go and listen to others. Like Maybe you need to be heard by Him tonight. Maybe you need to be heard by Him. And so it's take this moment to share with Him, to tell Him what's on your heart. He wants to know it. Or maybe you've talked enough. And it's time for you to listen to him, to hear what is on his heart. Use this time to listen. As the band plays, they're going to provide a little space for us. And I invite you, if you need to, close your eyes. Physically posture yourself so you can focus on him and give him your attention. Be patient. Be patient. Love is patient. And when needed, if, if... needed to bring your mind back to the heart posture that is reflected by these words, do so. I have called, Lord, and you have heard me. I am eager now to know you. What is on your mind? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal yourself in your time and your way. Lord, reveal yourself.